Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. good today? Man, good job. Good job. Uh, we, we are in a, uh, a study of the gospel of Luke. If you remember uh, last week, or chapter 8, we talked a little bit about spiritual warfare. Jesus had uh, told the disciples, hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They got in a boat, started their journey. A storm came up. Jesus took a nap. So the storm comes up, and it's a big storm, and waves are coming in. The boat's filling up with water, and the guys got a little scared, so they woke Jesus up, and he rebuked the storm, and it calmed down, and they were able to continue. So that was sort of a uh, big-picture kind of overview look at spiritual warfare. We're going to continue on that topic this morning uh, with a little bit more of a personal and up-close look at spiritual warfare uh, I have to, here's true confessions. This is pastoral confession time. You're going through, you're looking through the gospel, you're preparing ahead, thinking about the next passage, and come to today's passage, and I kind of go, hmm, maybe we could skip that one. Uh, it's a little weird. It's not a little weird, it's a lot weird. And I really I thought, oh, really? But the problem is it's there. That's the thing. It's there. And so I, I, I felt like, you know, we should, we should look at it. Um, so with that in mind, our, our topic today is the devil never takes a day off. And I think that man is fearful. Is that broken? Is that you up there? It's, it looks a little bit like you. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, the devil never takes a day off. So, so with that, let's, let's pray, and then we'll read this uh, stranger-than-truth passage, a strange-but-true passage, and we'll, we'll uh, see if we can uh, learn something from it. Father, yeah, we thank you for your word, uh, that you, know, you reach deep into the lives of people and that you bring transformation, and that it's such a beautiful thing to see people set free in the name of Jesus. And so we just pray that today you would encourage our hearts with that. Your name we pray. Amen. All right, this is Luke chapter 8, I think beginning about verse 25 or so. I'm going to go ahead and read the passage through uh, all the way and then uh, just for context and come back and talk about it. So uh, it says, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So they got in the boat, they sailed across the lake. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot 
and kept under guard. He had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied. (laughs) I don't know if he said it like that or not. Because many demons had gone into him and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Okay. Um, So yeah, Jesus says, let's cross the lake. They cross the lake. They get to the other side, and immediately he's greeted by this man whom Luke tells us is demon-possessed. Now, um, at this point in the story, the man becomes a follower of Jesus at the end, at this point, he's, he's not a follower of Jesus, but I wanted to take the opportunity this morning uh, because of the nature of the passage to address some issues related to this. One of the questions that uh, comes up periodically when we talk about demons and or deliverance is, can a Christian have a demon? Now, when, when I was young uh, in the church I grew up in, if somebody asked our pastor, can a Christian have a demon? His response was always, do you want one? Um, it, but the answer, truthfully, is, is somewhat complex. Um, the term that, uh, is, that Luke uses here that's translated demon-possessed implies ownership, that the demon has control of the person uh, which I think, you know, in, in, the, in this instance of this man, you can kind of see that it's controlling his life. Um, and so the answer in regard to that question is no, a, a Christian cannot be possessed or uh, completely controlled or owned by, by a demon. We're the property of Jesus, bought and paid for. And uh, so, no, you cannot be possessed. However... Can a Christian be afflicted, affected, annoyed, harassed by a demon? Uh, Yes, actually, uh, at that level you can. And and that's why our our title topic today is The Devil Never Takes a Day Off, because here's the truth, guys. The devil and and his forces um, will do everything within their power to disrupt your life, to make you miserable, to draw you away from God. That's their job, and frankly, uh, they're pretty good at it. And so, yes, even as believers in Jesus, and again, if you read through the New Testament and Paul's letter to the Ephesians and in different places, it becomes very clear. First uh, Peter, it becomes very clear that th- th- there are opposing forces at play and that the enemy is working to attempt to disrupt our lives. Now, 
That said, this, uh, the, the passage today is, is a very extreme case, okay? This, this man is, has been restrained by chains. So someone, presumably authorities in the town, I don't know if it was the, the police or whoever, the officials, have tried to control this man. He's been disruptive in culture in general, in society. So they don't know what to do, so they've chained him down. But he has been uh, able to break free from those chains and now for some period of time has been roaming around the graveyard naked. That's not normal. Um, another question comes up. And, and, and I, I think this is important, to be honest. I get asked sometimes, why don't we see things like that? You hear about, you know, somebody maybe on a missions trip in Africa and they encounter a demonized person, but we don't, we don't see that. It doesn't happen, you know, in St. Louis or Denver or Portland. Uh, maybe Portland, I don't know, but uh, keep Portland weird. Why don't we see that? The truth is this, because we choose not to. Uh, we have a Western rational mindset that tries to explain everything. And so uh, we, we kind of our default setting is to exclude the supernatural and try to explain that. So consequently, when we see a person that has any sort of radical behavior, we ascribe that typically to mental illness and we institutionalize that person. And that's what happens in our culture today. I am not saying this. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying that all mental illness is demonic. It's not. Nor am I saying that anybody that's afflicted by a demon will exhibit mental illness. Those two things are, are not one and the same, but there is some overlap, and there also is sometimes some misunderstanding in which is which. And it can be confusing. It can be challenging. I want to add an important thing, and, and this might be the most important part of this whole message, but would you go to the next slide, please? It says he had been driven by the demon into solitary places. <coughs> the demon isolated this man, and one of the primary tactics of the enemy is to isolate us and to separate us out from other people. The truth is God created us with a need for community. We need relationship we, we cannot survive on our own. Uh, look, here, here's the thing, and this, you, we, we do see this in society. When people are isolated, they'll develop mental illness. Our, our minds can't function in isolation. We're, we're created to work together with other people, and I really do believe at this point that it becomes, uh, there's some overlap in, in terms of these things. You know, it says don't give the enemy a foothold, and I think when we're, when we're isolated, the enemy has a foothold into our lives. We don't have the accountability and the mutual encouragement and the ability to speak into one another's lives just by virtue of separation. So I would say this to you, one of the most important things I think that we can learn from this passage is don't allow the enemy to isolate you and separate you out. When you have those thoughts, church is stupid, who needs it? I don't need it. These people are lame. I don't really need anybody else. I can do this on my own. Um, 
you know what? No, you can't. You, we need each other. We need each other desperately. And so do not allow the enemy to separate you out. That, that's, why, that's why Jesus left the 99 and went after the one. Do you get that? The 99 are together. Okay, there, there's some safety in numbers. And frankly, within, what, do you, what do you call a bunch of sheep? Is that a, a herd? A flock of sheep. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. But if you're in the middle of the flock, you're the safest. That's the safest place, right in the middle. The further you are out on the perimeter, the more danger you're in. And if you wander off by yourself, that's a bad place to be. My friend Raymond McDonald in Conroe, Texas says, a lone sheep is a dead sheep out on the prairie. And he's right. A lone sheep is a dead sheep. We can't make it on our own. We need each other. Jesus asked the man his name and the man or the demon speaking through the man responds, legion, for we are many. And it's not uncommon demons travel in packs. They're like rats. And it's not uncommon to meet a person that's been corrupted by multiple demonic influences at one time. A legion is a, a designation of a, uh, a unit of Roman soldiers that would have been about 5,500 soldiers roughly. So was there 5,500 demons in the guy? I don't have any idea. You know, I, like I said, this is one of the most bizarre, if maybe the most bizarre story in the New Testament. The Gospel of Mark tells us there were about 2,000 pigs in the herd of pigs that jumped off the cliff. So I don't know, was there one-to-one, two-to-one? I, I don't know. The man had multiple demons. I don't know how many. The demons try to bargain with Jesus. Actually, they do bargain, which is, again... Just the whole story is weird. Why does Jesus negotiate? You know, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't negotiate with demons either, but he does. I don't get that. I don't understand. Why did he negotiate? Why, why did the pigs jump off the cliff? And what happened to the demons after the pigs jumped off the cliff? That's the big question. Did they drown with the pigs? Did they come back? I, you know, there's a lot of things here I'd like to know that I don't, and I'm sorry if you were hoping for that answer. Uh, but the, 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 so, so, so we call people that take care of sheep, shepherds, shepherds, right? Shepherds, okay, flock, cow, far, I was saying farmers, they're farmers, they're shepherds. I need to up my sheep thing. They go and tell everybody, which that's what you do, right? If you see this happen, you're going to go tell people, you will not believe what happened today. Come home from work, honey, how was your day? Well, let me tell you, uh, Dude is now there with Jesus, and he's dressed, which is good. You know, naked people always make me nervous. I, I, they just do. I, we were in Nicaragua a few years ago, and uh, so some of you know my friend Steve Fish uh, from Vancouver Vineyard. Uh, we, we had a team of young people with us, and, and Steve is always our driver, so we rent a van. We, we, we get like a little minivan, and... So Steve's driving, and I'm, I ride shotgun. I sit next to Steve mostly just to provide comic relief. And then we have, uh, our team is in the, in the rest of the van. So we're driving down the road, and I look out the window over here, and I see a guy walking down the street buck naked. Just like, 
as normal as could be, just walking down the road naked. So I, of course, want to warn everyone. So I, I shout, naked guy, don't look, don't look, don't look. And of course, everybody looks because what are you going to do? So uh, naked people make me nervous. The guy is dressed, which is good. He, he's also, he's calm and he's coherent. He's not behaving the way that he had previously been behaving. <clears throat> and it says that the people that saw this were afraid. And I think that's another weird thing about the story. Why were they afraid? I would think they'd be happy. This guy was in a very, very desperate state. Now he's not. That's a good thing, and yet it says they were afraid. So, so that was something that bothered me. I, so I did a little research this week. I read several commentaries on this passage, and here's one theory. This is the one that I found to be the most plausible. Gadara, which is the place that they went to where the Gerasenes or Gadarenes lived, was, a, was uh, not a Jewish city. It was, it was a place that was Gentile. And so the people there were not religious people. So they may have very well seen this and heard about this event and thought that Jesus was using sorcery or magic or some other sort of you know, power that was not God to do this, and that's what frightened them, and that's why they wanted him to leave. That made the most sense to me. I don't know why they were afraid, uh, other than, you know, whatever Jesus might do to them after what he did to this guy. I mean, it was good, but... The guy, he wants to follow Jesus now, which, again, makes sense to me, right? If you have that radical transformation, somebody makes your life that different. You go, I want to go with this guy. I want to hang out. But what does Jesus do? He usually tells people to follow me, right? That's his normal thing, follow me. Uh, He tells this guy, no, don't follow me. Instead, he says, go ahead, go to the next one. Return home, tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This guy is very realistically the first evangelist. Before the book of Acts, before the early church, before Jesus sent out the disciples, two by two or anybody else, he sent out this guy. And so here's the thing. This is a man who yesterday was living in a graveyard, running around naked, and now he's going home. And I just think that is an amazing thing. And you have to think about who, who is too far away for Jesus to reach them. And the answer has to be, well, if he can reach this guy, I think he can reach anybody. Uh, weird story. What possibly can we learn from this? I got a few ideas. So first thing, next slide. Uh, here's the thing today. Demons are real, all right? The, the supernatural realm is a part of how we live as Christians. And we need to be mindful of that. We cannot just write that off and pretend it doesn't exist. It's interesting, I, in, the, in the United States of America today, across the board, not just Christians, but just people in general, in our country today, 80% of people believe in angels. So they're, they're, they believe in some sort of supernatural existence. 80% say that, yeah, I think angels are real. About 65% believe in demons. So there's a 15% gap there. That 15% of people are the, those are the uh, 
Glass is half full, folks. Everything is good all the time, and so they believe in angels but not demons. But at least 65%, over half of people believe that there is a supernatural realm and there is a dark side to that supernatural realm and that demons exist. Uh, So last week I quoted C.S. Lewis. I want to quote C.S. Lewis again today if you would go to the next slide. By the way, if you've never, if you don't read C.S. Lewis, you should. I mean, it's it's slow going. He's he's deep, but it's so profound. And so, the Screw Tape Letters is his book about sort of uh, the supernatural realm and about demons, and it's it's a very interesting take on it. But he says this: there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So what Lewis says is, we don't want to discount and say, no, that doesn't exist, nor do we want to go with the there's a demon behind every bush sort of mindset. Somewhere in between is closer to reality, and the fact is, if you go to either extreme, you're playing right into their hands. That, that's what he's telling us. I, I, that is real wisdom, and I think that's one of the most uh, relevant things we could say about uh, the demonic, is just to be mindful of it, but not to give too much credit. Um, this is something I get it. We don't talk about this a lot. We don't deal with it every day, but it is a reality. Now, I would say this, in most cases, and again, we said this is an extreme thing, most cases it's, it's, it's much less dramatic than what we read here. Um, there are varying levels of demonic influence, ways in which a, a demonic presence can influence our lives. And so I prefer the term, and if you do the Greek study, that even the, the word here in this passage doesn't really translate demon possessed it translates demonized a little better but I I like the word oppression better than possession Um, again even a a non-christian person to be possessed and again I think it happens we see it but not often but I think there's lots and lots of people believers and unbelievers who are oppressed and I think that demons can uh, cause us to be fearful I just think fear is one of the primary elements the enemy uses anxiety is another one isolation we talked about already is huge to separate people out so so warfare is real we 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 have to live with a warfare mindset i said that last week and demons are real so my first point today is heed c.s lewis's advice don't ignore the supernatural realm but also don't give it more credit than it's due okay sound good second point is this Boom, cover your bases. Uh, what do I mean by that? Here's the thing. Look, life is complex, and a lot of stuff happens, okay? A lot of things happen. And yes, there, there, there is mental illness, and there are, uh, there are disorders that uh, affect our minds and our hearts and our lives. And so we might either ourselves feel or see someone, know someone that has compulsive thoughts that hears voices, someone that has violent outbursts, someone that is engaged in self-destructive behavior. You know, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, but I was still a youth pastor, but I heard about, for the first time, teenagers who were cutting themselves. And I just thought, what in the name of Sam Hill is that about? 
you know, and, and I thought, is that, is that demonic? And the, and the truth is, it, it might be. It might be. I, I don't know. And sometimes we just don't know. So we pray, and God might give us a word of knowledge, and you know in a certain case this is or isn't demonic, but otherwise we don't know. So when I say cover all your bases, I, I mean, you know, do, do what you need to do to help the person that you're there with, or if it's yourself, to help yourself. Um, you know, Scripture says we are, we are uniquely and wonderfully made, and the truth is this, a human person, our psyche, our mind, it's very, very complex, and there's so much that can go wrong. That's just, uh, to, that's the nature of the world we live in. Th- things can go wrong. Life's not easy. So, so, so look, y- you know, you might need to see a doctor, you know, and, and, and that's okay. Doctor might say, hey, you know what? I really think you should take some medication to help you with this problem. You know what? That's okay. There's absolutely no shame in that whatsoever. If, 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 if that helps you get better, do that. But you know what? You should also pray. You should also pray. Don't neglect one or the other. Do, do, cover your bases. Do what you need to do to, to seek help. It's so complex. Some of us today, frankly, just work too darn hard. Okay, you need to rest. You need to eat right. It's all part of our health and well-being. It's spiritual, physical, mental. It all works together. So cover your bases. See, here's the thing. We believe in a powerful God here. We believe in a God who heals people, and we will pray for that. And frankly, I'll never stop praying for that. I'll die on that hill. I will always pray for God to bring healing into people's lives. We believe in a God who sets people free. That's what Jesus said he came to do, was to set people free. If, if, if it doesn't include this, then what does it mean to us? And we will pray for that, and we won't stop praying for that. But here's the deal. We also believe in a God who, who, who gives us a mind and created us to, to think and to have wisdom. And I'm so, so very thankful and, you know, I go on record, I'm th- so thankful for the medical community, for doctors and nurses and therapists and counselors and people who have given their lives to the betterment of other people's lives. I'm thankful for them, you know? I mean, I have two titanium knees, all right? And I'm thankful for those titanium knees because two years ago, it hurt to walk, and now it doesn't. So, so, so it's all part of the same thing. So cover your bases, pray and seek God's wisdom and God's help, but also if you need to see a doctor, see a doctor. Okay, Um, third thing, next thing. Naturally supernatural. What does that mean to be naturally supernatural? This is a phrase that our pastor coined back years and years ago to talk about what it means to sort of live in this spiritual place in a Christian life. If, If I were going to translate what it means to be naturally supernatural, to, to something that everyone could understand, I would say this, you don't have to be weird. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to talk, you don't have to speak in King James English, you don't have to speak in a southern accent, and you don't have to get, you, if you're southern, it's okay. But sometimes, come out of him! You know, you just, you don't need to do that. Okay? You can do that. You don't need to get loud. God is not hard of hearing, and I don't think demons are hard of hearing. 
You don't have to do any of those things. You do not have to be weird, okay? And, and look, I say that I, 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 uh, graciously. However, I will add, without you know, pointing a finger anywhere, on the topic of spiritual warfare, there's just a lot of wacky stuff out there. There just is. And that's just, I'm dating myself a little bit, but back in the 80s, uh, late 80s, there was a guy named Frank Peretti who wrote a series of fictional books about spiritual warfare. He's a Christian. The first one was called This Present Darkness. Anybody? So on one level, they were good because they lifted the awareness of people of the spiritual realm. On another level, it, it also lifted the weird factor to about, you know, 11. Because I would talk to people. They'd say, yeah, there's demons that are circling my house. And they're just flying around. They have big yellow eyes. Say, yeah, they all have yellow eyes. It just was like all these descriptions are coming out that I never heard that before. Peretti describes these demons in his book, and now everybody sees them. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. So I'm just saying that, and again, uh, there's a lot of strange stuff out there. We do this thing. Oh, gosh. Why not? So we would go through this like spiritual interrogation thing. You know, like, have you ever consulted a Ouija board? Have you ever looked at a magic eight ball? Have you ever used tarot cards? Have you ever listened to Stairway to Heaven backwards? Uh, How do you even do that? There was this whole thing. You, anybody remember that? There was demonic messages, satanic messages on Stairway to Heaven backwards. We used to try to do it. Play it. You can't do it. Turntables only go one way. They did, Jimmy Page, they did an interview with Jimmy Page, and they asked him, now, what do you think about this thing that people are saying that there, you know, there's satanic messages in Stairway to Heaven when you play it backwards? He goes, I don't know. My turntable only goes one way. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I, 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 I hope I haven't really just upset anyone's whole theological mindset today. Number four, moving right along. Emmy, you left me. Come on. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, yeah, just, just engage your mind. We don't need to, you, uh, you don't need to check your brain at the door, okay? Uh, we don't need to get all hocus pocus and weird. Just, just think through. Again, the guy in the graveyard today, that is a very extreme situation. The vast majority of spiritual warfare will not look like that in most of our lives most of the time. Praise God. For, for you and I, most spiritual warfare is going to be, be dealt with in the realm of being kind to one another, of, of being gracious and loving people that other people don't love, of loving people that are hard to love, of reaching out and being hospitable. Most of it's going to be one right there, not with a naked guy in a graveyard. Um, yes, demons are real. Yes, there may be times in our life when we have to help someone through a process of deliverance. Those things could, could happen, but it's, it's, for most of us, it's not going to look like that. For most of us, it's going to be focused more on being loving and being compassionate and being caring towards people who are broken and who need the presence of God and the love of Jesus in their lives. That's where it's going to be won. Um, I don't... I, I don't think anybody here, I, I, I'm, I'll just probably will never pray for a guy and cast demons into suicidal pigs. Uh, 
It just probably won't happen. I, I have been in ministry for 40 years. Uh, I've never seen that. I've never heard, I've never heard of anybody doing that. It just, it, it, it's extreme case. Here's what I found. This is, how are we doing? We're okay. Uh, here's, here's what I found about deliverance. The devil is a liar. And most demonic influence in people's lives is attached to a lie. And the lie is, you're worthless. Nobody could ever love you. You will never amount to anything. And we buy into those lies and we allow that lie to control how we live our lives. So in terms of ministry, I have found tremendous success by speaking the truth of what God says over and against those lies. You're worthless. Well, let me tell you what God says. God says you are of inestimable value to him. There's no price that anybody could ever put on how much you're worth to him. He paid a price for you that's beyond any price anybody could ever pay for anything. That's how much you're worth. No one could ever love you. Well, let's look at what God says. I love you. I love you more than you'll ever know. You are the most precious, precious, beautiful thing. You, I, I love you so much. You're ugly. You are the apple of my eye. I look at you and I see the most beautiful. I, I My phone, I, I have... I have to go through now and then and delete pictures because I have, my memory gets full. My phone is full of pictures of my kids and my grandkids, and I love to show them off. And I was thinking this week, God has unlimited gigs. He, he's got an iPhone with a big thing, and he's just ro- scrolling through, you know, oh, look at that. There's little Tucker. He's so cute. <laughs> it's my baby. There's little Kyle, man. Oh, you should hear that kid play the guitar. It's so good. I mean, that's what God's doing. That's how, that's how God thinks about us. That's how he thinks about us. All right. Um, last thing. Go to the next one. Save me. Fear not. Here, here's the deal. If, if you have never thought about this before, demons are not on your radar. Spiritual warfare, you, you kind of, you know, if this is all news, that's Okay. It really is. It's okay. Uh, I'd be happy to talk further with you about it. If you have questions, you can talk to me later. Uh, I, I, I do have a fee. I charge a fee for that service. Uh, $2.95. Why two ninety five? It's Grindy Americano. <laughs> Starbucks supports our church, I think. We have 27 employees of Starbucks here. Um, <laughs> Uh, but that's the price of an Americano, and I'm just joking. I'll actually buy, but I would be happy to sit down over coffee and just chat with you if you have questions. Um, but but here, here's what I would say in conclusion today is fear not. Okay, don't worry about this. Don't live in fear. Look, stay close to Jesus. Stay in fellowship, and you'll be just fine. Really. If you're not just fine, you'll get there. You'll move that direction. There's two directions you can go. When you don't stay close to Jesus and you don't stay in fellowship, you go the wrong way. You stay in fellowship, you stay close to Jesus, you go the right way, and things will get better. So let's close with the next two passages from Ephesians. This is Paul's prayer. I love this prayer. 
that you may know, and then there's some other stuff, and then he says, his incomparably great power, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him where at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus is over it all. Last one. And... Too much coffee. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus. So we're we're right there with him. He's on our side. All right, let's stand. I forgot to have you guys come back up. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.